Okay, so we're back to Mishnah on 121A2. We're going to go from the Mishnah on Kofchaf Aleph Amr Aleph to the Mishnah on Kofchaf Beis Amr Aleph. Okay, so we're talking, we're continuing now with the discussion of a fire on Shabbos. Nachri Shabbat Lechabah. So you have a guy that comes to put out a fire that's in a Jew's house. So two things. Ein oimim loy kabe. You're not allowed to encourage him to, to, to put it out the fire by saying put it out. But also, you don't have to stop him if he goes on his own. Why? Because it's not your problem if he is not the rest on Shabbos. Because again, the Pesukim that talk about resting on Shabbos talk about Atem, Ishtacha, Banecha, Behemtacha, right? Shabbosherecha. It doesn't mention a guy. A guy is not your responsibility. I will cut on, right? But a cut on, as I just said in the Pasuk, it says, Bincha Bitecha. So there, bincha and bitach is included, but avokatan shabal So if a young child comes to put out the fire, ain't shaymelo. You don't listen to him. They should be sasan alein, because the pastor clearly says that it is your responsibility to make sure that cotton uh, keeps the halachas of Shabbos. Amar abami, when you have a fire, Chazal permitted you to say, so you're allowed to go. Let's say stand outside a bar. There's a bunch of goyim inside drinking, and you could announce, whoever helps me out is not going to lose. Meaning, you're hitting at the fact that there's going to be a reward in it, but you're not specifically commanding them to go ahead and put out the fire. So it's sort of like a roundabout. Let's say our Mishnah supports a A guy who comes to put out a fire, they don't say, you know, they don't say to him, put it out. But they also don't say to him, don't put it out. Okay, so they don't say either way. Now, Kabehu delay Aminale, it's only Kabehu extinguish it that we don't tell him. But we make a deal But we're allowed to say anyone who puts it out, we don't lose. In other words, we have a riot from our Mishnah, the diak from our Mishnah is that you're allowed to say what Rabami said. Okay, that you're allowed to announce whoever puts it out will not lose. Gemara says, no, you have no raya. Why? Because you have the opposite diuk from the seifa. Seifa says, ema seifa. We don't tell him, don't put it out. In other words, we don't, we don't, we do not, you don't have to tell him, don't put it out, but you're not allowed to say, whoever puts it out is not going to lose. So, meaning you have a stira in, you have conflicting diuks. So, therefore, when you have a stira in diuk, you can't prove anything. We have no raya to Ravami's statement. There was an incident in the courtyard of Yosef Ben Sima in Shechem that it caught on fire. I'm going to stop the recording. Even though I'm a, even though I'm a black screen. <laughs> right. So, so we just mentioned Kfar Shechem, right? The vessel. So here, Yosef Ben Sima lived in Shechem and his house caught on fire. So what happened? So the Roman governor, his, uh, his um, legion ran to the house to put it out. Why? Because he was the treasurer of the king. So in other words, they on their own summoned their legions to help put out the fire. So he didn't allow them, they kvay Chavez because of Kavit Chavez. So he was machmir, even though he didn't have to be, but he was machmir himself not to let them. But nas a nase happened that the rain fell on its own and put it out. La in the evening, he paid each of them two slayim. In other words, 
he wanted to still thank them for their service, so he paid them two slayim. And to the lieutenant, Shaben Chamish, he gave him 50 slayim. When the Chazal heard about it, they said, he didn't need to do this. Because we learned that a guy who comes to put out a fire, we don't tell him put it out, but nor do you have to say don't put it out. In other words, he didn't have to do this. Now, the um, um, the Marsha says that the reason I, so I was curious why Taki he did this, so he brings down here in the note the Marsha. I looked up the Marsha. The Marsha basically says that because he was an officer of the of the of the governor of the Romans, he didn't want people to have bechoshed him. That he told his the word the legions to put it out. So he wanted to sort of be a b- beyond reproach. So therefore, even when they came on their own, he told them not to do it. Okay, weiter. If a cotton comes to put out the fire, you're not allowed to let him. Because, as we said, the Pasuk tells you that a cotton, a child, is your responsibility. That, should we learn out from here that if a cotton eats nevelos, bezdin, mitsuyan, alav lafrishoy, the bezdin is allowed to separate him, to stop him from continuing. In other words, we know that's not the case. We know that's not the case. Um, okay, and the Gemara brings down from a case in, in Gemara and Yavamas, Rabbi Yitzhak Barbisna lost his keys to his house, in the, or to the base medrash, rather, in the Rishos Rabbim. So he was told, go let the Kitanim go play in the street, and one of them will, on their own, discover the keys and they'll bring them to you. And in that way, you'll get the keys to the base medrash. And that was allowed. So what do you see from there? That you are allowed to, quote-unquote, have children... Uh, not uh, not follow Shvisa Shabbos on their own. So the Gemara says, We're talking about a cotton who acts on behalf of his father. In other words, he knows that that's what his father wants. In other words, a cotton who, Rashi says, he looks over at his father to see if his father's happy with what he's doing. So he gets his father's, let's say, nod of approval without of any verbal. That's that's what um, you're not allowed to do. But over there, in the case of Reb Yitzhak Barbisna, is where the Kitanim had no idea that Reb Yitzhak Barbisna lost keys. On their own, they found the key and they brought it to him. So when a cotton goes on his own, then there's no chiyav to stop him from putting out the fire. Similarly, by a nachri, the Ka'avid Ledaite di Yisrael is where he meets Shari. In other words, because the Gemara says, by a guy where he's acting, let's say the guy looks over at the yid. You're going to tell me also it's a problem if the child, if a cotton is a problem when he looks for the yid's approval. So maybe by a guy also when he looks for the yid's approval, mishari is it going to be mutter? The gemara says never a problem with a guy. Right? There's a klal. Guys, a guy always act in their own self-interest, even if they look and get approval from the yid in the back of their minds. They're always looking to get something out of the. Uh, a relationship. Okay, right. The next mission. You're allowed to uh, invert a bowl over a lamp. This is a mission that we quoted uh, uh, two, two um, books, two two art scroll books ago. We said that that it doesn't catch onto the flame. It doesn't catch onto the beams. Okay. So also you're allowed to turn a bowl over a child's poop. Over a scorpion, so it doesn't sting. It once came, the Maisa of someone who put a bowl over a scorpion on Shabbos came in front of Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai in the, in the city, in the Galil, called Arab. He said, that he is for trapping. Now, Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai is holding, this is a Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa. What is the Malach of trapping? Because you want the animal. Not you want to prevent the animal from harming. So that's, preventing the animal from harming is Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa, we know. 
famous machlaikas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda and Zakai here is paskening like Rabbi Yehuda that he's worried that he's either, even though it's Malach Shein Tzrich Lugufa. Okay. So three Amorayim came to a fourth Amorayim. The three Amorayim were Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yermia, and Rabbi Chanan. They all visited Avin. Now, Avin felt that Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yermia were, were greater than the third one, than Rabbi Chanan. So the Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yermia, for the first two, for Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yermia, Rabbi brought them couches. He made him sit on the ground. He didn't feel that he was as great of a of a tamachachim as the others, and so he sort of gave him less cover by making him sit on the ground. So Ashkechei, during the visit, Rebchanan found Av Reb Avin Masnei was teaching our Mishnah to his son, and he taught the Mishnah the following way: that you are. You turn over a bowl over the child's poop because you're worried that the child's going to come and play with it and dirty himself. So I'm a lay. So he was obviously annoyed at the fact that he showed him disrespect. So he said, Avin shot you. Avin is a fool. And he teaches dumb things to his kids. So, so he, he, he uh, called him out. So he asked him because he says, It can't be that it was pooped by a child. Because then it's not muksa. Because if the child pooped it, the dog, a dog can come and eat it. So it's not going to be muksa. So you don't need a bowl. You can pick up the poop with a napkin and move it away yourself. What are you going to tell me? That it wasn't fit before Shabbos. It be, meaning it's noilat, it's new. But we learned that that's not a problem. Why? Because if you have flowing streams of water, and gushing springs, they're like the feet of a person. What does that mean? It means if you go to a river that's flowing on Shabbos because you want to drink from the river, if you go there Shabbos morning, the water that's there was outside your tchum by the time Shabbos started 12 hours earlier. Nevertheless, that's not, we don't hold that way. We hold that a flowing water of river doesn't really have a makon because it's always moving. And whenever you get to it, you get to it. It's considered in your tchum. It's like your feet. Why? Because you can, you can anticipate that it's going to become accessible on, on Yantif. It's, so to speak, expected. So too, a child is going to go to the bathroom. You understand it's expected that a child's going to go to the bathroom on Yantif. And therefore, it's not a problem because it can be expected. So the kasha you should all be asking is, what's the classic case of Noilat? The chicken lays an egg. What if I expect the chicken to lay the egg? The classic case of Noila, the Ramban and others ask, should also, it should be not a problem based on this. I expect the chicken to lay an egg every morning. So Noila is not a problem if you can expect it. So the answer that they give is, they say a special chap. By, by an egg, it's considered part of the chicken. It's not a separate entity. It's part of the chicken until the egg is laid. So when Shabbos starts, there's no separate entity called an egg. But the food that a child digests that's going to become his feces is a separate entity from the child. And so therefore, and the water is similarly a separate entity. So therefore, that is already separated before Shabbos. And so therefore, you can have in mind that, that, is a, that you're going to have access to it on Shabbos. And therefore, it's not going to be noila. Ve'la so Rav Avin asked, okay, so if I taught it wrong, so what's the right way to teach it? So he said, It's not the child's poop, it's chicken poop. Chicken's poop, and then the child's going to play with it. The child's going to play with it, it's a problem. Now, chicken poop is moksa because even it's not fit even for a dog. So since it has no use, 
it's like something that has no use that becomes muksa because it, it has no purpose. And so therefore, the only way to deal with it, you can't physically pick it up and move it, is to invert a bowl over it. Let's call it a, a, a graf shalrei is basically if you have a keli. Let's say you had a pail. Right? In those days, you use a bucket. So if you have a bucket of poop, so it has no use. We're not talking about where it has a use for fertilizer. We're talking about where it has no use, it's mama schmutz, going to go in the garbage. But you're allowed to move it on Shabbos. This concept of graf shalrei means because it's a bad odor and, and people have it around in the house, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset them. It's, it's, it's something that's not pleasant to have around. So this concept of graf shalrei allows you to pick up poop and move it on Shabbos. So for the Gemara, the same thing with the, with the, with the Tarnagoylan poop. You should be able to move it on Shabbos. The chi, it's a graf shalrei. The chi are you going to tell me? Maybe what are you going to answer? That graf shalrei agav mana in. That when you have graf shalrei, when it's in a keli, so then you're allowed to move it because you're not touching the poop itself. You're touching the keli agav. You're moving the poop, so you're not touching it directly, and that's a graf shalrei was mutter. But to touch the poop, but to pick it up mamish and move the poop itself, you're not allowed. So v'ha'u achbar, but I'll prove to you that's not the case because v'ha'u achbar dishtachet they once found in Rabashi spices. He had spices in his storehouse. They found amongst the spices a dead mouse. He told him, pick it up by the tail. So what do you see? You could pick it up, even though it's disgusting. Right? Why are you moving out the mouse? Because it's disgusting. You don't want a dead mouse amongst your spices. Nevertheless, you'll have to pick it up directly and move it. So too, the poop of the, of the chicken should be able to pick it up and move it. Skumar says, you found it in the garbage. You found it in the garbage, so now there's no graf shalrei. What's, what's kinds of graf shalrei? It's in a populated area, and people are going to be disgusted by it. But if it's already in the ashpa, and again, in the olden days, ashpa was outside in an unpopulated area, so in an unpopulated ashpa, there's no heter to move it. So therefore, the only thing you would do is invert a bowl over it to prevent child from playing with it. In fact, tomorrow, what's a child doing there? What's a child doing there if it's in the out trash heap? As I said, they were in unpopulated areas. So the Gemara says, so we're talking about it's lying in a courtyard. Children are playing in the courtyard. So in fact, the Gemara, so if it's a courtyard, now it's a graf shalrei hetter. So then it's a populated area, so now ready, you should be able to move it based on the hetter of graf shalrei. So Gemara says, no, because it's it is a populated area, but you're not allowed to move it because they had many trash areas in the courtyard, so they were not allowed to be moved. However, since kids played the chatzar, so therefore you had to invert a bowl, you weren't allowed to pick it up because it was already in its own ashba. It was in its final resting place, so it's not a graf, graf shalrei issue, but it is a problem that child are going to get dirty with it, and so therefore you cover it with a bowl. Now, then we said in the Mishnah that you're allowed to kill a scorpion, we're going to talk about a few animals that you're allowed to kill as a preemptive strike. We're not talking about an animal that's a danger to a Jew that's attacking. That certainly is, is a sakanus uh, and you're allowed to do it. We're talking now about an animal that potentially could attack you, but it's not attacking you right now, and you want to invert a bull or kill it as a preemptive strike. So, we said you're allowed to invert a bull over a scorpion so that it doesn't sting. Any Creature that could be lethal, right? So this would include snakes. This would include um, um, you have um, those uh, those African the hornets, right? The whatever hornets that uh, are going to kill us um, that, that that came from wherever. Any animal that that's going to be harmful, you can kill it on Shabbos. Must have Yosef. Yosef has a problem from a brisa. The brisa says the following. The brisa says chamisha nerugim Shabbos. Only the following five creatures can be killed on Shabbos. And again, I just want to stress, we're talking about animals that you're killing, they're not attacking you. 
You're killing them because they're in the vicinity of people, and you're worried that they may turn on a person and kill them. What are they? The fly in Egypt, which was apparently deadly, must have carried some sort of disease. The wasp in Ninveh. The scorpion in Chadav. The snake in Eretz Yisrael. And a rabid dog anywhere. So money. Who's the Tana of this price? Who's the Tana that holds that you can kill an animal uh, um, that's not uh, um, a direct threat? So Elam, Rabbi Yehuda, if you're going to tell me it's Rabbi Yehuda, can't be. Ha'ara, Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa, Chayvala. He holds, he's not allowed to do a Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa. So therefore, it can't be him. El Alav, Rabbi Shimon, must be Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon allows a Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa. V'hani, who the Shari Achrini Lod. It's only five that he permits you. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who said you can kill any animal, even Rabbi Shimon, who holds that Malach Shein Tzrich Lagufa's mutter, limits it to the following five animals. So on Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya said, How do you know that the Bryce, or the text of the Bryce is correct? Maybe it was incorrect. Because there were two types of Bryce's. There were the Bryce's that Rabbi and Rabbi Aishia taught. When Rabbi and Rabbi Aishia taught a Bryce, they were very particular to teach it exactly the way they learned it without any color without any explanation, and so therefore those are considered reliable braces. Then you have other braces, I believe Reb Haishia also, not Reb Haishia, um, um, someone else, I, I forgot who, um, uh, someone else, but there were other braces that were taught, and other braces that were taught, the Tana would add on sometimes his own explanation or his own understanding. So, Frakti Gemara, so Reb said, maybe the braces that you're teaching, it's not authoritative, so maybe it's not really what Reb Shimon held, it's that Tana's version of what he thought Reb Shimon held, but it's not a riot against Reb Shimon Levi. So, I'm Reb Yosef, Yosef answered, he said like this, Anamas Nisala, I'm the one, I have this braisa, meaning I have this braisa, so it's accurate, it's not embellished, but nevertheless, since I'm the one that asked the question on Reb Shimon Levi, I'll answer up for him. What am I going to say? Baratzu Achrav, they're chasing after him. But every Yaakov, and this is according to everyone, it's the Bryce that says that you can kill. Sorry, Rabbi Shua ben Levi is talking about that you can kill any animal where it's chasing you. So even Rabbi Yehuda will agree with Rabbi Shua ben Levi that any animal that's chasing you, you're certainly allowed to kill, and that's not a problem. And the Bryce is only talking about those animals that are not chasing anyone, that those you can kill as a preemptive strike. Now, Tani Tana Kamei Rava Bar Someone was teaching Bryces in front of Rava Bar He taught the following: That if you kill snakes or scorpions, then the the um, ruach, the spirit of Chasidim, will not is not pleased with you because you killed a creature on Shabbos unnecessarily. So Amalei Rava answered him: Those Chasidim that aren't happy with him, the Chachamim are not happy with those Chasidim. Meaning that the guy he, he's contradicting him. He's saying you're wrong. That it is appropriate for those people to kill snakes and scorpions on Shabbos. So pliga the Rav Huna, and he argues with Rav Huna. The Rav Huna chaze. So this is Rava Rava bar Rav Huna. So Rava, the son of Rav Huna, argued with his own father because his father Rav Huna said the Rav Huna chaze elu gavri the katal zibur. He saw someone killing bees on Shabbos. Again, bees was one of the animals we mentioned that you're allowed to kill. Amalei shalintin alakuli. You killed them all. In other words, did you get every single one? Obviously, you didn't. So what are you accomplishing? So why are you killing? That. So obviously he held that there was no hatter to kill bees on Shabbos, even preemptively. Okay. If poisonous snakes and scorpions came, crossed in front of you, if you kill them, then you should know that the reason why Hashem caused them to cross your path is in order that they would come to kill you. 
Sorry. That it was sorry. Hashem sent them in front of you so that you should have the honor of killing them. In other words, if you kill one of these animals, these deadly animals that crosses your path, Hashem set it up. Hashkach Pratis, that you should have the honor of killing these animals. However, if you don't kill them, if you don't kill them, then really they should have killed you, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed the miracle and they didn't kill you and you were spared. Amar Ula Bitema Rabbah Barbachan Amr Bioichanan, that he shaifen boy. The Mishnah is only talking about snakes, the Bryce rather is only talking about snakes that were hissing. In other words, it's not shot any snake that happens to cross your path and you decide to leave it alone. It, it, a nace was performed for you. It means if the snake noticed you and the snake starts shaking the rattle or the snake starts, uh, you know, uh, taking a, a attacking position, so then, and then you kill, and then you spear it, then you should know that a nace was performed and really it should have attacked you. Amra Baba Bar Kahana. One time a snake fell into the base medrash on Shabbos. Vamad Nivasi, and a guy from Nivasi, which was a city, and Nivasi Echad Varage killed it. Amar Rebbe, Rebbe said, Paga boy boy. Something like the snake killed the snake. Now that was a cryptic statement. Does he mean evil, just like the snake is evil, the guy is evil, meaning he did something wrong? Or does he mean, no, just like the snake was a threat, the guy was a threat to the snake, and he did good? So that's the Gemara is going to ask. Ibailu, Pagabai Kiyotzeba, the shopper of it, was the Rebbe saying he did good? But killing it, Oiloy, or did he mean he did bad? Toshra, bring your raya. The Rebbe Abba, the Raid, Reb Chia Baraba, Reb Zera. So Rebbe Abba and Reb Zera have a Yasu Ikle Lebei Reb Yanai. They once were sitting on Reb Yanai's porch. Nafak Milsimi Benayu, and something came up between them. Boy, me name Reb Yanai. So they asked Reb Yanai, Maularing the Choshevakram on Shabbos. What's the Allah? You allowed to kill poisonous snakes and scorpions on Shabbos? Amalu, Tsirani Hoireg. I kill even wasps. Certainly, I would kill uh, uh, sna- even snakes or scorpions. So what do you see? That Rebbe was saying a shavach, that, that the guy killed the snake and the scorpion. The Gemara says, no, maybe Rebbe Yane only meant that you're allowed to kill them by uh, which means in the midst of your normal walking. So you're not allowed to go out of your way to stamp on it, but if you happen to be walking in that direction and one of your steps happens to step on it and kill it, that's okay. That's what Yanai meant when he says, I kill any animal. Meaning, but to go out of my way and do what this guy did, Rabbi Yanai would hold, it's no good, and Rebbe was criticizing him. Rabbi Yudah said, if you have spittle on the ground, somebody spit on the ground, now what's the problem with spit on the ground? If you're going to press the spit into the ground, it's going to flatten the ground. The spit will loosen the earth, and it will flatten it, and it's a problem, right? You're not going to fill in holes on Shabbos. However, he says, Darts Lufitumah, if you have to be walking and you step on spit, you don't have to avoid it. Vamrup Shesh, this Nachosh Darts Lufitumah, similarly a snake you could step on in your normal way of walking. For Rev Katina, Akra of Darts Lufitumah, similarly a scorpion. So therefore the Gemara comes out that no, it was inappropriate what the guy did. He should have just Lufitumah in his normal walking uh, uh, killed the snake. Abba Bar Marta, Dehu Abba Bar Manyume, so Abba Bar Marta was also Abba Bar Manyume, have a maskebe de ve Reish Galusa Zuze. So he once owed the Reish Galusa's family some money. So I see who come entirely. So they brought him in and they roughed him up. Okay, they started beating him on Shabbos. Why they wanted him to pay money? So there was some spit on the ground um, in front of them on Shabbos. So listen to this: the guys who are beating him up, they you know they're, they're still grace to tell over there. So Amalu, they said, They said, bring a keli and pour it over the spit. In other words, uh, we we don't want the spit. 
So we're not allowed to touch it. It's muksa, even though we're beating the heck out of this guy. But we're we're we're, we're grace and tzaddik, and we have to just pour, put a bowl over it. So Amalu, so Abba Bar Marta said to them, "Let's vichis." No, you don't need to do it. Hachiyam Rabbi Yehuda, right there, Slufi Tumar. Rabbi Yehuda said you could just walk normally and step on it and remove it that way. Amar Luhutzuv Merabanan. So upon hearing this, the so they heard Rabbi Abba Bar Marta say this. So Amar Luhutzuv Merabanan Hushivku. So the Reish Kalus upon hearing this said. Ooh, he, he, this guy's a, 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 a stark learner. Let him go and stop roughing him up. Okay. Um, Rabbi So once we mention one thing from Rabbi Barkana, we're going to mention some other stuff. Um, Rabbi Barkana, Um, Rabbi Pamuta Rabbi Shabbos. The leichter in Rabbi's house could be moved on Shabbos. Now, again, remember we once talked about you're allowed to move a leichter that's one piece, but you're not allowed to move a leichter that's multiple pieces. So we know you're allowed to move a leichter that's one piece. Now the question becomes, are you allowed to move a leichter on Shabbos if it's so heavy that it's like, um, it's like the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash, meaning it's so heavy that it can't be moved by, more, by, by one person. You need two people to move it. Because if that's the case, then it was never intended to be moved, and it's muksa because it's in its place. So that's what the Gemara is asking now. Are we talking about, okay, we know we're talking about a leichter that's made of one piece, but does it have to be a leichter that only one person can move? But or even a leichter that requires two people could still be moved on Shabbos. I'm alive, like the ones in your father's house, meaning the smaller kind. But if it's so big that it needs two people, you're not allowed to move it on Shabbos. It's not considered a keli, and therefore it's going to be muksa because not a keli. You're not allowed to move it wherever it was set before Shabbos is where it's going to remain. Something else he said. The wagons of Rabbi's house that carried people are allowed to be moved on Shabbos. Again, same question. We're talking about the little kids' red wagon that you can pull them in with one person. We're talking about a big wagon that needs two people to push it. Again, like those in your father's house. However, this time... There's a machloikas. Rabbi Chananel says he's talking about the small kind, but the other Rishonim hold that he's talking about the big kind. So with regards to the wagon, we don't really have a psak. Vam Rabbi Bar Kahana, last thing he said, He allowed people in Rabbi's uh, household to drink wine that a guy transported in his wagon on the basis of only one seal. So there is a Gemara in Avaydazara. Uh, when a guy moves wine, so we know there's an Isra of Yayin so you put a seal on it. How many seals do you need? According to Rabbi Leza, you only need one seal. According to Chumim, you need two seals. So they said that in Rebbe's household, Rabbi Kana said Rebbe's household, they, allowed, uh, uh, they were allowed to drink wine that a guy moved with, that a guy transported with only one seal. So there's two, there's two possible reasons for it. Either, the Gemara says, I didn't know which reason was. Is it because he holds like Rebbe Lezer that you only need one seal and that's why the, you could drink it from the guy? Or no, really you need two seals. But since Rebbe was the Nasi and there was Mirtis, there was fear that if you're going to mess with Rebbe's wine, you're going to get executed. So that's the reason why one seal was enough. But really, in a regular case, you would need two seals. So again, Rebbe Barakana says, I don't know which way we paskin. All right, let's stop here.